Welcome back to They Talk Sex podcast. My name is Elle Stanger. Today we're going to talk about some trans and some porn issues, some trans man or trans masculine person issues. We will be talking with Trip Richards. You might know him from Twitter at Triple X Transman or Instagram at Triple X Transman. I'll just spell that because there's so many variations T R I P L E X. T-R-A-N-S-M-A-N underscore on Instagram. Trip Richards is a transgender man, sex worker, and sex educator. He has been involved in the adult industry for over seven years, and currently he focuses on video production. Trip uses his online platforms to advance conversations about sex and body positivity, and he takes a lot of hate for it, so we're really, I'm really happy to have you here. And you have an emphasis on issues that impact transgender people and fellow sex workers. So, hi. Hello. Hello. So many of my friends are so jealous that I'm interviewing you. Oh, I'm very flattered. Yeah. I found you from a friend of mine who is a trans man and has a lead on all kinds of good, like more ethical, creative, you know, hip, new, fresh porn (laughs) It's not our parents' porn. <laughs> that would be a good tagline. Um, well, that was a lovely intro you gave. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I, I'm i a really simple guy. I think of myself as like the most unlikely porn star ever. Um, grew up in rural East Coast. Um, definitely a more on the introverted side. I'm a quiet person. And yet I somehow kind of found myself more or less by accident in the adult industry. And I, I've come to feel like it, it uses all of my skill sets and integrates them in such a good way. And, you know, seven plus years later, here I am. Mm, that's such a nice way of summarizing it, like uses all your skill sets. So like, what would some mm. of those skill sets be? I guess I enjoy the fact that I can be like so many different people at once as a sex worker. Like art is important to me, passion, beauty. I love to travel. I'm also really organized. I can do the admin. I can do the logistics. Um, I love I can interject my politics and my beliefs into things. It's autonomy. It's creativity. Like it's all these different parts just kind of come together synergistically in sex work. Mm, I love that. Which is also why it's like more than a full-time job. Oh my gosh. I know. And then there's also like the hatred, like you have to navigate not only from people who don't like porn or sex work, but also hate you because you are trans. Oh yeah. I get it all. You get it all. It's delightful. (laughs) Keeps you on your toes. (laughs) This is why you have cats. Yes, exactly. It's like, it's like, what, what are you coming at me for today? Is it because of my body? Is it because of what I do with it? Mm -hmm. Is it because of the other people's bodies that I touch or love or engage with? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for those of us in our audience that are unfamiliar with what transgender means, first of all, welcome. I don't know how you found us here, but (laughs) what, what's a definition you like? Cause I just, I was like, you know what? I'm going to be like a regular person and just type into web search, which for a lot of us is Google. Mm. So I typed transgender definition and, um, The dictionary, the dictionary on Google says, denoting or relating to a person whose sense of personal identity and gender does not correspond with their birth sex. How do you feel about that definition? 
That's decent. I don't like the use of the birth sex, though, because uh-huh. biologic sex is actually very multifaceted. Uh, not to get too deep into bio, but it includes external genitalia, internal genitalia, chromosomes, hormonal production, uh, hormonal sensitivity. So, like, that is a multifactorial thing in addition to identity, which is something totally on top of that. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's, I think it's like getting close. So, I use trans or transgender as just being a mismatch between identity, personhood, and assigned identity. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, if you think about it, assigned identity, assigned sex, is literally just based on the doctor, you know, the OBGYN, looking at the baby, external genitalia, visual inspection. And that seems like such a, it's like this moment in time that has nothing to do with who the person is. Mm. They literally just hold up the baby and are like, okay, you look like this. Mm-hmm. And identity, especially as people grow and age, has so much more to it. So, so people who identify in a trans spectrum, which I use to include like gender queer, non-binary, binary trans like myself, you know, who identifies as a man, mm-hmm. um, all of that just says that there is a mismatch of some sort. Right. So I really love all that answer. I'm going to break that down a little bit for sure. other listeners. Um, who don't follow as closely, I totally 100% agree with what you said in the definition. I like better with um, someone saying like the sex that's assigned at birth because Mm -hmm. we are assigning it. Because like you said, if you hold up a baby and you look at their genitals and if there is something that's longer than like a couple millimeters, they'll be like, oh, that looks more like a penis or, Mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't show the inside. Like, does the baby have like undescended testicles, but maybe it looks like they have a vulva. Um, so for anyone- don't do chromosomal testing usually. Right. Totally. Or, you know, I, I think I have a shitload of testosterone in my body as a female. Like I've given birth. Mm -hmm. I refer to myself as a female person. Um, I know that I don't have testicles. A lot of people can't afford to get those kinds of tests. So that's the other Absolutely. thing. Um, a lot of people live their whole lives not even knowing that they're somewhere on the intersex spectrum, yes. which is not exactly the same as trans um, because it's it's you know physiologic as opposed to more in, in the mind, which could also be argued as physiologic. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people live their whole lives never knowing like what they, quote, really are. Mm-hmm. It's only when you talk about trans people that I, at least, and many trans people experience being questioned, like, what are you really? Mm. Gosh, that's like the thing we're all searching for, you know, like, since the dawn of time, like, humankind has tried to figure out, like, who am I? But so anyone who's listening, there are there's not two sexes. It's not male, female. It is a spectrum of how bodies mm-hmm. show up, how they exist. Bodies and every other characteristic within them. Oh, and brains. Yeah. Yeah. What a big mishmash salad every person is, you know? Totally. <laughs> so and that's variables. the thing that we we want to imagine, or a lot of people want to imagine, that there's like these two neat boxes that are neatly differentiated, but really they're not because many people have like a mix of those characteristics, as you say, a mishmash. Mm-hmm. So for anyone who needs a quick reminder of terms, I'm really glad, uh, Trip. you said intersex because- mm-hmm. Go look up what is intersex. Um, you could be a intersex person who identifies as cis if you mm-hmm. present to the world in what people think is more or one of the other sex. So just because you're intersex doesn't mean you're trans. 
And just because you're not intersex doesn't mean you won't be trans. <laughs> right. <laughs> Is this confusing people? Yeah. All right. So how did you, you said, you said you just kind of like fell into the industry. Do you have any kind of like notable entry point? I freaking love sex workers origin stories. Like every time that I film with someone before or after, we like always talk about basically how the fuck did you get here? Yeah. And it's always interesting. Um, so mine actually started before I transitioned. I started in sex work presenting female. Mm. And I um I mean I started out because I was just like posting some not really nudes, but like saucy pictures, let's say on the internet. <laughs> and as one does when they're like 22 or 23. As one does. And, as one does. <laughs> and, uh, you know, somebody hit me up and was like, hey, could you do a little custom video, like do some nude yoga? And I was like, sure, what the hell? Pay me 50 bucks, I'm good. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of grew from there. Um, I very quickly got more into BDSM, more into dominatrix work. I uh, I worked in fitness, so I was like incorporating fitness training along with Dom stuff. Ooh. Where you know if somebody messed up on a on an assigned task that I gave them, it would be like you know drop and give me twenty push ups. It was it was this really like fun kooky <laughs> vibe that I had going on, and that basically funded my transition because in the midst of that time, which was a lot of personal sexual exploration as well as professional, I realized that my discomfort with my body that I had always felt was very gender discomfort. Hmm. Like it wasn't with my weight, it wasn't with my hair color, it wasn't with my clothing, it was literally me. Like my body just felt wrong. Hmm. And what sex work did was both give me that that space to explore um, and also frankly it funded it. Hmm. So after about a year of working in BDSM, presenting female, I took some time off, I started testosterone, I got top surgery. And then like almost a year later, I jumped on webcam. Wow. I had no idea if there was going to be a market. Wow. I really did not know any other trans male performers. I was just like, a little money would be nice right now. Yeah. And let me see what happens. Wow. And what happened was just this explosion of interest. I was I was just like deluged with comments like, I've never seen a body like yours. What is this? What are you? Oh my God. A lot of nice comments, a lot of mean comments, but also a lot of people tipping on webcam. Mm -hmm. And that's where I restarted in sex work, you know, rebranded as a man. Wow. Um, from there, you know, I, I did webcam for a couple years. At that point, OnlyFans and Just for Fans had come online as platforms. So I really transitioned to that. Um, I escorted for like three years in there, done kind of a little of everything. And now, as you said in the intro, I'm just doing video production full time. Uh, you know, for my clip studios and fan pages. Wow. So it just felt like it was so accidental of like fun and exploration up to, you know, a full-time career at this point. And along the way, what I've realized is like, this is my way to share myself as a trans body, um, share, you know, share my passions living in this trans body and still be an educator. Like literally every day, I still get the comments from people who are like, I've never seen a body like this. Mm -hmm. And you and know, this will probably continue. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Forever. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I would love a day where I can just be sexy and not have to explain what a trans body is, Yeah, but that's unlikely. Yeah. Wow. You deserve that, being able to just be sexy and also not have to teach people. That seems like, I mean, hmm. I feel like there's some parallels here, but yeah, I, I don't understand what it's like to teach about trans, but I, I identify with how tiring that can be. But you're an educator. I really think of you as being an educator. 
yeah. how you present. Well, thank at least, you. You know, social at media and everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And obviously, we you know we 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 wear different hats in different settings, and I get that. Um, and certainly, like during an actual video, I'm not necessarily being an educator, but right. I feel like I spend all of my associated time <laughs> being an educator, being an activist. And frankly, standing up for my very existence in this body. Right. So what are the perks then? You've named some of them. Like, I'll let you say it yourself, though. What do you enjoy about the work, any of the work? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, the biggest thing is what I said is kind of being able to integrate all those parts of myself and really just use all of my skill sets. It would be like if I worked a, you know, a normie job, I'd have to work like 10 different actual jobs to be able to do all of these things throughout my day, mm -hmm. which I just really enjoy. Um, I'd say the biggest perk is that it feels very authentic for me. I am a sexual person. I enjoy being sexual. I enjoy being naked. Um, I enjoy being an educator, frankly, about those things. And I feel like I have a better life as a sex worker than I would doing anything else. Ooh. Even Standing all of the downsides, all of the harassment, all of the fears, I still feel like it's better than anything else that's you know accessible to me. Wow. So some of the downsides would be safety concerns and harassment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I understand that too. And yet I feel, and I obviously each person's experience may be different, but I feel like the reason that I have those concerns is not because of sex work per se. It's because of the way that society views sex work. Totally. Like, I don't think sex work itself is inherently dangerous. It's only because we're looked down upon as subhuman. Mm -hmm. Yep. I agree. I think about that a lot sometimes. Like, yeah. do you ever complete a gig or, you know, like an appointment? And even if it was like challenging or stressful, you're like, wow, that in itself wasn't a big deal. But now I have to navigate, like, is someone going to try to, like, steal this content or weaponize it so against much, me? So much. Right. Like, I, I, you know, I feel like my actual work time, if I define work as making sex videos, which is mostly my job, mm -hmm. is like literally 10% of my time, if that, 5 to 10%. And then the rest of the time is like handling all of the other things that spiral out from it. Mm. I just agree with so many things you're saying. It's so nice to talk to another <laughs> sex worker. I haven't done it. I haven't interviewed another in a while. It's so refreshing. Uh, ah, I love it. Me too. So I asked my Instagram audience, I'm on Instagram still, at Stripper Writer. Uh, I said, what was your first introduction to trans porn? A VHS with my brother having sex with a trans girl. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Surprise. Some people are like, what's okay. VHS? <laughs> I'm old enough to remember. I know, me too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was young, probably via newgrounds.com. Someone played it as a joke, mm, which this person- That's very common. This person is trans now, by the way. Okay. Yeah. That, um, yeah. I, I feel like, you know, having grown up in a cisgender and straight world, you know, until I came out as things, mm -hmm. um, transness was very much either completely taboo, completely inaccessible, or it was the joke. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, it was the punchline. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. uh, someone else says Buck Angel. Mm -hmm. That's the first trans man I ever heard about. Yeah. Absolutely. Same. My abuser showing me someone I was four. Oof. It's mm. see, see, okay, and this is something that brings up real quick. Like some people have trauma around porn because that's how they were initially exposed to porn. Is not absolutely. 
So that's what which is I just got to say, which is a consent issue, not a porn issue. Yes, thank you. Someone's, Anything can be weaponized. Absolutely, food can be weaponized. Like we need food yeah. to live, but I could choke someone to death by feeding them one hundred percent cake or burrito, or, or not even as as dramatic and physical as that. But like people people who use food as a proxy for love. Mm-hmm. I was thinking or, about poison. Ah, well, that, that works too. That's nice and direct and to the point. <laughs> someone else says my openly trans girlfriend in college. That's cool. That sounds healthy. Healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, some quote ladyboy slash shemale sites. That is the mm-hmm. language I discovered also. And that's not Same, language we use yeah. these days, right? Mm, it's being phased out, let's say. Um, I've actually gotten a few sites to phase it out by yelling about it. Mm. Um, things are getting better mm. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah. God, there's so many different directions we could go. But as I say that, and you might agree with me, but I I feel like there's definitely people who are trans who have a great time, like, mm, I guess, like, having fun with, like, the slurs, like, some people, oh, totally. you know, like, reclaiming having, it, reclaiming it. Thank you. I yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, so. I, I, I tongue in cheek refer to my home as the tranny porn capital. And <laughs> I, I, as a trans person, am allowed to use that language yes. in humor Yes. But when it's part of like a site description, then I've got an issue with it. Yes. Uh, Someone else says, happened to find my dad had left up his on the desktop computer by accident. Cool, cool. Cool. A private show from a trans goth woman I met in AOL chat 20 years ago, dot, dot, dot. I loved her. (laughs) Yeah, she sounds hot. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like a goth. There's, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I have a trans goth friend too. Hi. I should no, I'm gonna send her don't this. Don't we all? Oh my god, I know, right? Don't we all? Um, well, <laughs> some of the listeners don't. They're like, I want a trans god friend. Okay, don't go looking for one. <laughs> if you are blessed, they will find you. Yes, exactly. Okay, I as a cis female worked at an adult store and we rented movies to watch at home. Someone says crash pad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Crash pad porn. I watched. Yeah, that was how I discovered Jizzly. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, someone says Bailey J. Oh yeah, I love her. Yeah, Bailey's pretty. I wound up in some trans rooms on Chatterbait, then actively mm-hmm. started seeking it out on Pornhub and the like. I think that's a way that a lot of people kind of happen upon something and then realize they're into it. Yeah, and that's certainly been my experience as a performer um, on Chatterbait and other platforms. Is people kind of wander in. They're like, what the fuck? And then, oh, but my dick's hard, so let me watch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't you know? know what this is, but I like it now. Right, right exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Again, like food, discovering new food. I was reading about porn and studies apparently have shown that people do not watch things they do not like. So if you stumble upon something, you might discover like an arousal, you know, a cue or something you're interested in. Mm-hmm. But it's the same thing with food again. People generally don't eat food they don't like. There's so many parallels between sex and food. I just love it. And, and I think I think a really interesting corollary, which I thought you might have been going for, but I'm not sure, is that exposure to different types of porn does not change your core orientation exactly. or interests. Meaning like if you see kink porn, it doesn't mean that you suddenly become kinky. It just unlocks something that was already within you. Right. Or, which I think is a very common misunderstanding. Yes. The argument that watching violent porn makes you violent. No. Right. Exactly. Because if it bothers you inherently, you're not going to watch it. 
Exactly. But if it's already something that turns you on, well, then we're dealing with misogyny. Yeah. Like it's kind of, yeah, it's like, it's like the causation is going in the opposite direction. Someone else says, I was searching what was a new term Mm. hermaphrodite. Uh, Yeah. I was going to say that it's kind of the, the outdated or phased out version of intersex. Right. And wasn't it in the mythology, it's the the love child of like Hermes and Aphrodite? I believe so, yes. Right. And it was like an intersex god. Yeah. um, Which is kind of weird then that kind of modern Western culture has made that a very like negative term. It's basically like, you know, a freak show kind of thing, Mm -hmm. which I think is why people have moved towards intersex as a much more neutral and kind of medical term as opposed to as, um, you know, as much like negative weight as Hermaphrodite currently has. Mm -hmm. But it shouldn't be a negative word. The language evolutions are so fascinating. Let's see. I'll get through a few more of these. Daisy Taylor. I don't know that one. Oh, I love Daisy. I filmed with her. Oh, fabulous. She's a cutie. Okay. Yep. Something else for people, Big love people there. to look up. Scrolling on Pornhub, <laughs> someone says, I was in a hole of hentai and I clicked a side link and mm. it said, Thai ladyboy. Again, the language. Uh, let's see. Kink.com. Someone says, being in one. Oh, good for you. And Hump Film Festival. That's a local porn festival. Oh, yeah. Isn't that Dan Savage's? Yeah. Yeah. When I say local, I think it's a West Coast thing now. They might have taken it all over, but I think it was Seattle, Portland. Well, I know this past year with COVID, it was accessible worldwide. Mm, That makes sense. So uh, before we take a quick break, I wanted to teach a quick history fact to our listeners um, I have a book I love. It's called He, She, They, Me by Robin Ryle. Uh, it's kind of like a choose your own adventure where, for example, you're born into a society with more than two genders. Um, were you born a Hijira? I don't know how to say that in India. Were you born a Aleha? Go to the Mojave. You were born a sworn virgin in the Balkans. Go to page six. So gender variant categories exist all over the world. In the Balkans, Brazil, Hawaii, India, mm-hmm. Japan, Nepal, New Zealand, Pakistan, Thailand is some named. And then I think all North American indigenous, not all, I don't know the history of indigenous people, but I think a lot of indigenous Native American peoples had gender variables. Absolutely. There were, there was spaces for it literally everywhere except in like Western Christianity. Go. So... Literally everywhere else, there's there's some naming of that. Um, often trans or genderqueer intersex people were, were revered. Um, and also in a lot of societies, one's gender or one's sex, I guess, was not really assigned at birth, but instead later on based on how they were presented. Right, how they're functioning. Um, stuff about like in Western Africa that was that way. Oh, I love it. So yeah, everyone, this is not new. Some of your minds are blown. Other folks already knew all this stuff and they're just here because they love trip. <laughs> but like transness is not a fad transness is not a new concept exactly like it's always been here we just have new ways to express it um medically or socially now Mm -hmm. let's take a quick break email me my name is l stanger they talk sex at protonmail.com and we are with trip richards productions at gmail.com be right back Ioba Toys is the creator of the super silent sex toys, the Oh My G and the Oh My C. The Oh My G is a G-spot massager with three intensity levels, a massaging pearl, 
and a unique C-shape made to precisely hit the G-spot. The Oh My C is a clitoral massager with a rotating massaging pearl that mimics a tongue or fingers, also known as oral sex, and it fits in the palm of your hand. Both toys are super silent and come in pink or white. Try code L30 for 30% off on iobatoys.com. Do you have sex questions? Do you want help learning new techniques, communicating with a partner, opening a relationship, or exploring kink? Sex and intimacy coach Stella Harris can help. Book a session now to take your intimate life to the next level. Listeners of this podcast receive 20% off their first session with code TTS. Learn more and schedule at www.stellaharris.net or follow her on Instagram at Stella Harris Erotica. Welcome back to the Talk Sex Podcast. My name is L Stanger. You can find me lstanger.com on Twitter at L Stanger. I am with Trip Richards, the trans pornographer and educator. You can email Trip, Trip Richards Productions at gmail.com. He is on Twitter at Triple X Trans Man and Instagram at Triple X Trans Man underscore. How many times have you been deactivated? I have never been deactivated. I somehow, somehow have skated by. I don't expect it to happen for very much longer. But yeah. So you two also do you open up your socials like with your like with trepidation uh, every day. Every single morning. Yep. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm gonna knock on something wooden. Um Thank yeah. you. <laughs> it's the and like that what you said earlier, like filming five to ten percent of your time, but just like making sure your platforms are running properly, or did like Instagram kill one of your bio links again or Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, that happens. I get a lot of posts deleted. Do you really? Oh, constantly. Ooh. Deleted, reported. I mean, I'm always being threatened with deletion. It just hasn't happened yet. Mm. Okay. Well, I will slut pray for you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, we have some listener questions. This first one is more, well, <laughs> it, it's a request and a question. Please make cis lady and trans man porn. I hardly see any. Do you feel the same? Yeah, totally. 100% very valid. Um, my answer is yes, I will do that. I want to do that. I am very openly bisexual, pansexual. The reason that I've not really worked with a cisgender woman on camera is very much a matter of economic realities, which is that I don't see a big enough audience for it. Mm. And at the end of the day, I work to you know keep a roof over my head and food on the table. So if you want there to be something in porn, let performers know. Like tell performers, I want to see X, Y, and Z, and I will pay for it when it comes out. Because if I get a couple comments like that about basically anything, I'll be like, okay, there's an audience here. Let me make it. I mean, assuming it's something I'm into, obviously. Right. But like within that, just if the, if you if you have a favorite performer and you want them to do something let them know that they'll be able to sell it. Um, I mean, I mostly make gay porn because that is where most of the audience is. And I don't always love that because there's a lot of typecasting as a trans man. Um, trans men are usually presumed to be bottoms or receptive partners mm. in gay porn. And I'm not like 
you know, I'm happy to do that, but that's not how I identify. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it has to do with that typecasting, that stereotyping. But yeah, I mean, if you want there to be something, just support it. Hell yeah. I feel like I am going to do a Instagram poll and be like, hey, if Trip Richards made Cis Lady partnered porn, would you buy it? <laughs> yeah. Give me and, a little boost. I mean, the answer is, is yes, I'm going to do it anyway at some point just because I love women too and I want to do that. But yeah, if I with, – with that and with a lot of other things, if I knew that there was an audience for it, I would put it up a little higher on the mm, list. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I fuck with a cisgender guy, I know it's going to sell. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. So do you ever strap cis men? Oh, totally. I'm, I'm in my personal life. I'm a total top in professional life. I'm verse, but yeah, I have quite a number of strap on and flip fuck videos. Cool. So I love to give as good as I get. (laughs) Equity, equality. (laughs) 100%. Love it. And okay, so so we got to talk about strap-ons yeah, for a sec please. here. The the best parts about having sex with a trans guy using a strap-on on you is it can be any size or shape or color or design you want. It always stays hard at your desired <laughs> hardness. It never comes too soon. It never, you know, the sex is about you. I stop when you're done. I stop when you're happy. It is like the fucking perfect penis. Also, and also, I'm never, I'm never insulted if you tell me you want a bigger. Oh my one. gosh! But you can't tell a cis man. You're like, your penis is nice, but can you size up a little bit? Or down. Whereas if I'm with a partner, yeah. Oh right. Either way, yeah. If somebody tells me that, they're like, oh, I, I prefer if you use this one on me. I'm like, cool, yeah. darling. I'd <laughs> love it if you were curved this evening. Yes. I'm like, you got it. (laughs) And also, like, um, this is an assumption based on what we've talked about and also you being female presenting until 22-ish. You've perhaps been... Mm -hmm. Well, actually 25, 24. Oh, okay. So, but you've probably received penile penetration before. Well, yeah. Yeah. You mean before I transitioned? Yes. And after. yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. So if you're someone who's been fucked, then you know how to fuck better. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> One of the reasons why I prefer if I'm going to get topped, you know, fucked by a cisgender person, I prefer that they are themselves are versatile because I feel like if you know what it feels like to be the receptive partner, mm-hmm. you're more likely to be good at giving it as well. Mm-hmm. This is why I loved pegging my last partner, my beloved Absolutely. departed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is why, yeah, sex was so safe because we were both like queer receptive, like, you know, yeah. I love queer sex. Me too. I know. I'm like, my next, if I end up dating another cis man, he needs to be bi. Like, he cannot. Yes. Fingers crossed. I don't want a straight one. Please. Like, cis het people, (laughs) cis het men are just too likely to be problematic. Yeah. No offense, listeners, men. I'm sorry. Be gayer is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, 100%. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Okay. So, listener question number two. Oh, wow. Okay. I actually didn't know the answer to this when I chose this one. Uh, Do you think it's possible to try to finance transition-related healthcare costs with sex work? Yeah, totally. I mean, if we use the word possible, anything is possible. And I certainly did it successfully. Mm-hmm. I will say a couple caveats to that is sex work is not easy money. It's not guaranteed money. And from just a personal perspective, I think that presenting female, which you would need to, or, you know, let me say it this way. I don't know who the listener was. Presenting as your assigned birth gender as a sex worker, when you know that you are trans and are trying to transition can be very mentally challenging. Mm -hmm. Um, I only did it for a year. It was challenging. Mm -hmm. So 
because like you're doing sex work and trying to be sexy in a body that does not feel right can be really, really, really hard. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, definitely. Constantly working on when I'm in the club or if I'm filming and trying to make myself like move more classically feminine, which means mm-hmm. taking up less space. Mm, and like yes. putting my knees together and like dropping my mm-hmm. shoulders where usually I sit like if I'm not hunched over like fucking Shrek troll then I'm like <laughs> up like an MMA fighter come at me bro and that just doesn't totally. translate well you know right, right. and and I'm, I mean I think a lot of sex work regardless of transness is about balancing like authenticity and economic realities mm-hmm. Sometimes being fully yourself does not pay the bills. And that's true in every industry, yes. obviously. Yes. But I think that when you add transness on top of that, and, you know, if I had had to really like, um, I, I'm blanking out a word here, but like really emphasize my boobs or my female presenting bits mm-hmm. pre transition, that would have been really, really hard. And I think I, I think I would have wanted to do something else to fund my transition. Mm-hmm. So to people who aren't trans and can maybe kind of understand what this is like, something that comes up for me is like, just think of a part of your body that maybe you don't want to share or you're not comfortable with how people react to it. Maybe it's like your big belly or something. And you're like, okay, now I have to not only feature this, but highlight this part of my body and make mm-hmm. it look sexy. Totally. Or like my knobby knees or something like and suddenly that's everything that people see about you and you have to emphasize it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's super uncomfortable. Right. So So that that said the answer is yes, it is possible and it might work for someone, but I don't think it's a guarantee in any way. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, sex works never a guarantee. That thing when you see like a bright shiny new entertainer and they're like, "I'm going to make money cuz I just started doing this job." And you're mm. like, mm, "You might." <laughs> and you're like, "Oh baby." Oh baby, you might you <laughs> might really hurt and scare yourself and leave with yeah. a lasting bad impression. Yeah. Yeah, it depends. Um So listener question number three, how do you find your audience? I've had a hard time since I transitioned. Mm. I feel like that one is a combo of luck, of just right place, right time sometimes. And then depending on what kind of sex work you're doing, it's who you collaborate with. Because certainly a lot of my audience today is because I've collaborated with some other like really big name stars over the years. Mm. So I, I, you know, was able to kind of siphon some of their fan group mm-hmm. and add that to mine. Whereas I think a solo performer has a much harder time because they, ha- they really have to generate that audience on their own. Oh gosh, that's so true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being a professional. But it, it, it is a luck sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, social media is such a fickle landscape. Like why does, why does one post blow up and one profile blow up? and another one just fades into obscurity. It's really hard to tell. I want to bring something up because I think you're the great person yeah. to ask this. Um, I have had a series of conversations with a trans friend of mine who said that he has felt that since he transitioned, um, he gets less dating and social attention and validation. And he feels that mm. if he had done sex work, his money would have gone down. And so there was a friend of ours who was interested in also transitioning to a masculine, more identity, more masculine identity, mm-hmm. and they're a sex worker. And my friend was like, you really have to consider you might lose a ton of your audience. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that that is that is simply a reality because if somebody is femme presenting, who's their audience is mostly straight dudes. Right. If somebody is masculine presenting, who's their audience is mostly gay dudes. There's always going to be more straight men than gay men. Mm-hmm. Just like if we talk simple numbers, right? There. Exactly. Yeah. To- pure. That's why I have long hair still. Right. Like the older and the more tattooed I get, I would love to have short, short, short hair, but I don't want to mm. get asked every single shift if I'm a lesbian. Totally. Like I already don't look super nice, approachable girl next door. <laughs> so marketing people. <laughs> uh. Now I, I will say on the flip side of this, cause I don't want to be all like doom and gloom. There's no audience. There is an audience. And the fact that every day I still hear from audience members of mine who say something like, I didn't know that I was into trans guys until I saw you. Mm. What that tells me is there is still a big untapped audience there for trans masculine people. You just have to go out and find them. Mm-hmm. So this brings to the next question. What's the kindest thing anyone has ever said to you about your work or identity in general? I think that it's whenever somebody recognizes me as an educator um, or says something like, you know, I learned something from you. Because honestly, at this point, I've been a sex worker long enough that the appearance-based compliments, oh, you're so hot, whatever, are so meaningless to me. <laughs> like, they're they're just background noise. Mm-hmm. I mean, they literally just say, oh, you're fuckable. And I'm like, yeah, I know I'm fuckable. Mm-hmm. I do porn. Mm-hmm. So, so if somebody gives me a compliment that is something to, that, that basically lets me know that they've been paying attention, it means that they've read what I've said. It means they've listened to podcasts. It means they followed me long enough to realize my opinions and my personality. Those are the comments that really stick with me. Um, you know, the things who are like, you know, you open my eyes to something or you made me think about things differently. Now I know something new. Like those, those are the compliments that like really get into my soul and I, that I appreciate. Mm. And then there's one word that somebody used that I fucking loved. They described me as being ruthless. Ooh. And I was like, yes, 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 yes. I love this word. Um, it's the focus. It's the dedication. It's like doing what needs to be done, saying what needs to be said. So ruthless is like my favorite word now. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I 100% agree and nodding on someone being like, you're hot. Yes, I know. You're like, okay. I know, bitch. Yep. Yeah. Yep. What about, um, this is my listener question. What about dating for you? Because I noticed that when I'm getting to know somebody, my like that means they're going to get to know my work, what is public, mm-hmm. and then me privately. So like if someone's like, oh, I read that article you wrote and it made me cry. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Thank you. You know, like you read my work. Mm. But yeah, same thing. They're like, hey, you're a cute chick. It's like, no, this is going to go nowhere. This will go nowhere. Yeah. If somebody approaches me that way, it's just completely meaningless. I mean, trying to have like interpersonal relationships as a sex worker is really hard. I have a few like casual relationships at this point with other queer people and not even industry people, just queer people. Mm -hmm. And that seems to work a little bit better, but it is really complicated and I do not have a good answer there Uh, because I feel like people either, they either meet you as the sex worker, which is okay, but I also like if they come at me because I'm a sex worker, I'm kind of like, do you really want to get to know me? 
would you just want like the free version of me mm, mm-hmm. of what you, you, know, think you just trying I to am. get basically yeah or like you're not going to pay for my contents so you want me to give it to you for free including fuck you for free just because you're nice to me you know i'm just like super suspicious mm-hmm. so so that happens on one side and then on the other extreme somebody comes at me not knowing i'm a, I'm a performer not coming at me as a performer and then it's kind of like, okay, when do I tell them or do I tell them mm-hmm. or what will they think of me? Um, and then there's even the little, little tiny egotistical part of me that's like, bitch, how do you not know who I am? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I did have one person say that it was on like a hookup app and he was like, you know, we'd been talking for a while. And he was like, oh, I just realized who you are. Like, I didn't recognize you. And I'm like, How? <laughs> <laughs> You're like I used my name. Yeah, like I was, I was basically insulted, even though I appreciated his honesty, and it 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 also meant that our earlier interactions were genuine. He was yeah. literally just getting to know me. But I was like, "You're into trans guys, and you don't know who Trip Richards is." Like, I need to talk to marketing. <laughs> it's complicated. Okay. Oh gosh, let's take another break. Email me. They talk sex at protonmail.com. Email trip, tripRichardsProductions at gmail.com. We'll be right back. Hey there. Do you want to help people and make money doing it? Becoming a coach might be your ticket. The coaching industry is currently filled with a lot of straight white coaches and working with straight white people who have the privilege to hire them. The coaching guild is changing that. The Coaching Guild is looking for diverse people with diverse experiences and backgrounds who want to get university-level training to become a coach. This is not a shortcut certification program. This is intense training for the real world. They are looking for the artists, the rebels, and the wild ones. You can change the world one client at a time and make money doing it. Visit www.thecoachingguild.com. Do you have a sensitive vulva or vagina? Me too. People with vaginas will experience at least one yeast infection in their lifetime, and many folks like myself get them every time the seasons change. As someone who relies on their vaginal health for their personal and professional wellness, I use Momotaro Apotheca solutions for preventing bacterial vaginosis or yeast infection. Their products also serve urinary tract infections, postpartum care issues, aftercare, and general irritation from sex, clothing, and exercise. I love these things. I use them to shorten my healing time or prevent irritation. Use Stripper Writer for a discount code and check out their affiliated CBD products at oshihana.com. That's momotaroapotheca.com and oshihana.com. Welcome back to the trans, masculine, and porn episode with Trip Richards, educator and pornographer. You can find Trip on Twitter at Triple X Trans Man, T R I P L E X T R A N S M A N. Instagram is the same, except there's an underscore at the end of that. So you and I on the break were talking about how we met because. I like Pornhub was getting attacked by those Christian like right wing people mm-hmm. who are not anti trafficking because aren't we all anti trafficking but they're anti porn sure. anti queer anti sex before marriage mm-hmm. Exodus cries their name 
do not support them at all. And if you are a listener and you would like to know more about why, please email me and we'll make it an episode. Um, they talk sex at protonmail.com. So Pornhub was being attacked. You and I as porn makers, I have one video on Pornhub. I was not invested in this for myself. What about you? Do you have any on there? Yeah, it was honestly like a big chunk of my income through Model Hub. So what happened to you when tell the audience what happened with the Pornhub thing? So really quick and dirty summary is the Pornhub and its associated sites, including Model Hub, which was the monetized wing of Pornhub, all got demonetized in mid-December last year. Basically because of public pressure on the credit card companies and a lot of scare tactics and a lot of disinformation. And what happened was that every verified performer, including myself, who had monetized videos, which means that we were selling them, and it also meant in order to sell them, we had already submitted government IDs and model releases for everyone in those videos. Mm. You know, we, we had performed to industry standard on our documentation. We all got demonetized. There was no way to sell our videos anymore even though we'd literally followed every rule. Those are the credit and card six companies, six months later, right? yeah, exactly. So six months later, we're still in that same boat, still cannot sell anything on Pornhub. And this is related to, uh, he's a conservative evangelical supporter. Um, Nicholas Kristoff wrote a New York Times mm -hmm. piece where he wrote a ton of misinformation and he said things. I mean, it was full on propaganda. It was full on propaganda. Like um, if you want to read an excellent response to that, do a web search for Asa Akira, barstoolsports.com. The title is I Am Fucking Scared. And it gets about the first chunk is her explaining how she got into the industry. I like Asa. You can actually skip that part and go right to the fact that Pornhub has not only moderators that have to watch every single video to check for things like child sexual abuse material. They also, which is something that all upload websites are not capable of doing, but like Facebook, they're supposed to do it. They have moderators, Instagram. There are people that look for uploads. That's how they're discovered. That's how they're reported sometimes. So not only that, but they actually, um, Pornhub pays for their therapy because they find so much wackadoo shit. And then Though you say so much, but actually Facebook and the other mainstream sites have way more reports yes. and uploads that are problematic, like many times, exponentially more. And if there is um, if there is another link you want to put in for an article, I think it's the one that Samantha Cole wrote about like the, the intersection of the anti-porn people and white supremacy was super important. That's a important. really good one. You yes, that I one? do. So, okay, there's a Daily Beast article that says, last year, the majority of online child exploitation reports were found on Facebook. The study identified over 20.3 million reported incidents related mm. to child pornography or trafficking, which is classified as child sexual abuse material, or CSAM. Um, Facebook accounted for nearly 95% of the 21.7 million reports across all platforms. Notably, MindGeek, which is the Canada-based parent company of porn websites, Pornhub, RedTube, and YouPorn, reported far fewer at 13,229. So more people are trying to upload child sexual abuse material to Facebook than they are to Pornhub. Um, why aren't we trying to take down Facebook? Folks talk about like, oh, this video was uploaded to Pornhub and it contained a scene that wasn't consensual. 
that's terrible. That's absolutely terrible. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm all for like every kind of moderation or support that and way. And accountability. If that's happened yeah. before, yes. Absolutely. But like if the solution to some illegal content is to strip the income from everyone else who's done everything right, exactly. we need a different answer. Right. Yeah. So like that, that's not an acceptable solution. Exactly. So thank you for explaining that. Um, so folks see like uh, the war on Pornhub happening. Please don't participate in it because are all platforms perfect? No. Are any of them perfect? No. Um, Pornhub has probably been problematic in its time, certainly. Nothing compared to the harm that Facebook has inflicted, arguably. <laughs> um, and Pornhub throughout the pandemic, or for most of it, provided a lot of income to a lot of people, including myself. And they host who are consenting adults. Sex education information. There is a lot of stuff on Pornhub yep. that I would be like grossed out to watch or not interested in, but that just means not it's sure. not for me. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and as we were talking about earlier, people tend to not watch things that they don't like. So it's not going to lead me to behave in a way that is less savory. And that's that's the fundamentals of consent. You don't have to like what somebody else is into, but it's their right to watch it as long as the people within it are consenting adults. Mm -hmm. And in fact, telling people that they can't watch something or can't do something is removing their right to consent. A friend of mine makes... I don't know what exactly it's called. I think I call it horror porn, but um, basically she's like being chased and then like murdered mm, or something. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't want to – she actually offered me – she's like, do you want this gig? This is what it pays. And I my like trauma and my beliefs got really triggered and I got really mad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but then I had to sit my ass down and be like, it's fun for her. It's an outlet. She makes money this way. And if I'm going back to the clinician writings that I was just reading, fantasy can help people blow off steam. Yes, it's a pressure valve. It makes them less likely to engage in things if they're totally engaging like in it's not a gateway drug. It's the opposite, right? So yeah, that's a good little uh, don't yuck someone else's yum reminder. Mm -hmm. So we kind of already touched on this, but what would you like to see change for our, let's just say porn industries? Well, can I answer that in two different ways? I'd like to talk a little bit as a trans man, because I think there's some specific things yes. and then I can talk more broadly. Please. So I think where we are right now in the porn industry as a trans man, as a trans masculine person is just getting representation, just getting visibility is the goal right now. You know, there's been so many sites that do not have a trans man category. They don't have tags for us. They don't have categories. They don't have language. So that's currently what I'm working on, like just getting us out there, giving us a space. But then in the future, what I really want is like full integration because that's representation. Like you don't put trans men off in the separate little box. You just let them be men. Mm -hmm. And that's my hope into the future is there's going to be that shift of like, you know, my generation of porn stars basically is saying, hey, we're here, we exist. And then I want the next generation of trans men who are in porn to be like, well, we're just another guy. Like we don't mm. need a separate label. Mm. So that's that's my hope there of like update the categories, um, updating the language. But right now my struggle is just getting recognition. And that's that's even outside of porn, but just like even in society is just saying, hey, trans people exist. Mm -hmm. Like we live in this body, we live in this space. And we need that. Mm -hmm. 
And broadly for the industry. Yeah, more broadly, um, we need platforms, we need spaces that are stable and that are inclusive. And that's what we're talking about with the Pornhub thing is like the loss of that platform, the loss of that space is so devastating because even if our fans eventually find us somewhere else, it's still a huge disruption. It's like it's compounding that vulnerability, especially as, you know, a queer sex worker, we're already vulnerable. Like this is a this is a tough world and, you know, tough situation to be in anyway. Mm-hmm. And then you add in like not even knowing that we have somewhere to sell our content. Mm-hmm. That makes it really freaking scary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like, it's hard enough to just function within capitalism and hard enough to like, you know, deal with all of the day-to-day things and then not even knowing whether we have a space to connect to our audience. Mm-hmm. That's, that's basically what I spend my day like fighting against, fighting against the disinformation, um, isolation. You know, fighting against, yeah, yeah, that's definitely a big one. Fighting against isolation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just like dealing with the stigma because everyone likes porn. Almost everyone Almost likes everyone. porn. <laughs> Almost everyone likes what we do. And a lot of people hate us for doing it. And there's no other industry like that. You know, there's not people who say, I love coffee, but I hate the person who makes me coffee. <laughs> I hate the whole industry that makes me coffee. I hate everything associated with producing this coffee and putting it in my mouth. But porn is like that. You know, people literally follow me because they want to see my stuff. And then they're like, but I don't, you know, I don't believe that it's work. Mm-hmm. I don't like sex work. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with what you do with your body. I don't like that you do sex work, but I'm happy to watch you do those things. So, so like, oh my God, it's such a disconnect. It's such a dissonance. Those are the people who murder people. Th- those are them. That's totally. them. The consumers yeah. who hate the creators. The consumers who don't see the humanity in the creators. Yeah. There you go. Because as soon as you make someone not human, you can justify any form of violence against Mm -hmm. them, ranging from murder, as you say, down to just like deplatforming them or being rude to them them. or stealing. Yeah. Or stealing and pirating their content. Or sending it to their family members or their job. Any spectrum of those things. And people's shame around their own desires is what causes them to do violence to themselves or others. Exactly. Yeah. It's not sex or sex sex work that's ever the issue. It's, you know, that people's shame, it's people's stigma against those things. And that's why we're in this mm-hmm. mess. So And those are all taught. Okay. So I wouldn't do this again today. When I was this harkens back to something you said earlier, where people are like people will be aroused by something and then be like, oh, I'm ashamed or disgusted. So when I was like 19, I was at a house party. Mm-hmm. I went to my boyfriend, friend, boyfriend's computer at the time and I uploaded a trans woman to the wallpaper. She was super hot. And I put all the icons over her dick because I knew that the guys would be like, oh, hot, babe, cool. <laughs> and then, right. So the big reveal is like, haha, mm. it's a woman with a penis. Where I was coming from that was like, I think this is sexy and I want to yep. catch you guys in your like shame or, you know, but I was unwittingly, I think, adding fuel to a fire. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I'm not going to judge literally anything that anyone's done at 19. 
myself included. <laughs> exactly. You can unpack it now as being something that was right. And I share publicly good. because I know there's other people who had my thinking or like don't understand mm-hmm. how the shock value or pointing out the shock value of someone's genitalia that's unexpected, like can be hurtful and damaging. Well, it's totally, it's totally lacking and missing the humanity of who that body is. You know, whoever mm-hmm. she was, it was not treating her as a human. Mm-hmm. So yeah, everyone be better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The whole point of this, all of these episodes, is just like, be better. We all fuck up because we exist in this container, which is impacted by a lot of wild history and humanity. <laughs> and like, let's normalize learning something, integrating new information, apologizing if needed. And then, as you say, being better, doing better. Yeah. Like normalize that. The people can change. Mm -hmm. So what are some resources in terms of like change or learning? Anything that's been helpful for your networking or your community growth or expansion? I mean, it sounds really trite, but honestly, following other sex workers has been the biggest thing for me. Because when I started, because I, like I said, I kind of got into sex work really accidentally. I had zero network. I did not know any other sex worker for years, honestly. Like I was just operating on my own. And then once I started collaborating with other performers and you know, following people like yourself and other performers, um, and just like following people who were activists, body positive, a lot of those accounts have been super helpful to me, other sex educators, it just like all started coming together for me. And I was like, oh, all of these different thoughts that I've been having, other people are having those thoughts too. And let me put them together and like integrate that into my worldview. So I think the biggest takeaway for me would just be like, tell people to follow and, you know, interact with a lot of different viewpoints, a lot of different bodies, a lot of different diversity that way. You know, if your timeline is all thin and white, that's a problem. If your timeline is all cisgender, that's a problem. If your timeline is, you know, all people with a similar vibe and similar opinions, even that's problematic. Like, just expose yourself to different things and then figure out how to integrate that into your own belief system. I'm totally going to include that little sweet Mew. (laughs) He's like, it's dinner time. (laughs) I know. How many cats do you have? I have four because I'm crazy and have no life. Oh my gosh, I love it. What are their names? Um, Wallace, Baxter, Duncan, and Sam. Oh my God. Those are all like cute little old man names. I know. They're, They're all boys and they're all like very grumpy old men. That's adorable. <laughs> I have a I have a list of uh, recommendations that folks wanted shared. I haven't read Gender Outlaws: The Next Generation. Is that a book? I think so. Right. I feel like I've heard of it. My friend said it's great. Okay, uh, I'm taking I notes like, on this too. Thank you. Uh, I like He, She, They, Me by Robin Ryle. Crash Pad porn series mm-hmm. we mentioned. Um, bonus hole boys mm-hmm. in porn. And then James Darling or Tuck Mayo. I'm actually not familiar with Tuck. James is basically behind Bonus Hole Boys, so those might as well be synonymous. Okay. Um, Kind of like trailblazer of um, FTM born, I would say. Awesome. Cool. And then there's me, who I think is putting out some of the hottest FTM content these days. I will embarrassingly say I have not seen any of your content because I make too much of my own and I don't have time. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> also, when people are like, "El, do you listen to podcasts? I have a podcast. I'm like, don't send me anything. I'm not listening to a podcast. I guarantee. <laughs> you know, I really understand because like I do not watch porn, certainly not for any ethical reasons, but just because right. even if I do subscribe to somebody or buy their content to support them, I end up not watching it because my issue, other than not having time, is I get so focused on like the post-production. I'm like, Me oh, too. how is their lighting? Me Which too. camera angle is this one? Oh, oh that's how they did that. And oh I get God. like completely distracted from the eroticism. It's so Me dumb. Me too. It's so hard. <laughs> it's so tough. I just have that problem in general with any porn I watch. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, duh, you know, they could have vacuumed the carpet better. Like, yes. Which is me being critical. That's my stuff coming up where I'm like, my control freak issues, at least I know it's about me. I wouldn't like leave a crappy comment on something. Oh my gosh, projecting. totally, totally. That's a great yeah. distinction. Yes. I just move on and find something else. Yeah. It's just like really hard for me to sort of suspend that disbelief of, of like the technicalities of it to actually focus on the sex. I just get really distracted. Maybe mm -hmm. I'm ADHD also. I don't know. Oh, you know, if screenings were more readily available, I would say you should get screened. Yeah. Yeah. So I like to end the episodes with asking our guest, do you have any sex tips for our audience? I do. Um, in a particular order, listen to partner's cues, speak up about what you want, listen when they tell you what they want, um, don't assume your partners are mind readers, and first and foremost, laugh a lot. Um, in Yay. all of my videos, I laugh a lot because it's part of pleasure for me. Like laughter is an expression of I'm having a fucking blast right now. So like sex does not have to be all about like super serious. Now, if you're in with like, a, you know, a kink dynamic or something, that's different. But like just your everyday yeah. regular sex, have fun with it. And it's like, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be messy. It's okay to be awkward. Like just dial the intensity and the stress level down and have fun because like sex is literally about connecting with somebody else. Like that is what it's about. It is physically, literally connecting with their body. And that should be something that's precious and fun and like an, an interconnected experience with them. And it also is like the most like messy animalistic primal thing we can do at the same time. And that's okay. Yeah. Like it's beautiful and it's also just a bunch of grunting bodies rubbing against each other. Yeah. And that's, that's okay. Like just have fun with it. We most look so strange to aliens. Oh, about yeah. That sometimes. They're like, <laughs> they're they're like, like y'all are doing fun? what? Yeah. Is that actually enjoyable? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Are you metamorphosizing? What is happening? <laughs> We're trying to. We're trying to crawl up inside each other's bodies. Oh, my God. That sounds so good right now. It is. It's, it's great. In a minute. Mm. Oh, I knew we'd get along. <laughs> so, uh, everybody, please find Trip on Twitter, on Instagram before they are deactivated. Hopefully, never. Yeah. Knock, knock, knock. Yeah. Trip Richards Productions at gmail.com. Do you have a website or do you? I do. Yeah. It's that same, that same username, you know, Triple X Transman. It's just Triple X Transman.com. And there's yes. links on there to all of my content. There's also links to all of the other podcasts I've appeared upon, um, articles that I've written and appeared in. So there's a lot of like, you know, media content on there as well. Okay. So much trip in one place. So much. So much. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Until my, next time. My absolute pleasure. Thank you. Bye.